Digital Katie. Oh my god, Digital Katie! <laughs> the robots will rise. Digitally spliced Katie has returned. Nah, fuck that. I'm organic Katie. She is. I'm real deal bullshit <laughs> Katie. Back with you this week. I have ventured back from the land of the desert. I'm here. I'm queer. And I'm pack and steer. What? Oh my God. What the <laughs> fuck? I'm going to have to start over. I don't even know what that I'm means. literally going to have to start over. That was so bad. <laughs> was it? So, so bad. I don't think it's that bad. I, I, I also don't know what it means, but I don't think it's bad. So bad. I it's mean, bad. our whole show is bad. I don't think so. The premise of our show is that our show is bad. Listen. Right? That's what we Trash have Town a is bevy all about. Of people. A bevy? A bevy of people. Did you get a word of the day a, calendar? No, bevy's one of my favorite words. I have never fucking in fifteen years I have never heard Joe dumbass use the word. Excuse bevy. the fuck out of you. I've never bevy. heard that. Bevy is one of my favorite words. Okay. Uh, I also is it your nickname for your friend Bev? Because I have just literally no. never heard you. No, bevy. Uh, I do love uh, gargantuan. I have heard you use that one. Uh, There's a lot of G's in that word. And I really love the word travesty. Okay. I've heard you use all of those except for bevy. I'm not forgetting I have, you. I have said bevy. Okay. Well, listeners. I bring it out like. Listeners, it's, it's your job to fucking weed through the past 20-something episodes of this show and send me every single oh, sound clip. Oh, I, I did weed bevy. through the past 27 episodes last week. I've already done that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're ruining the illusion. You... Actually. <laughs> I'm very excited about today's like topic, though. Oh, shit. We actually have housekeeping to do. Did you know that? You have housekeeping to do. Bitch. Don't talk to me that way. Don't reinforce typical gender roles. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so we have housekeeping, um, up top, I want to talk about the Haunted Heart Book Club. If you don't know what the Haunted Heart Book Club is, then you're not in the Facebook group. And if you want to be in the book club, you got to be on the Facebook. And that's the way that it goes. (laughs) So creep on over to facebook.com and type in the Haunted Heart Podcast. You will find our closed group request to join it like several of you did this week which is awesome by the way Uh thanks um join our group and we are going to be starting our book club i believe next week um the first book which was recommended by a couple listeners actually um is called house of leaves i know some i mean it's not a new book by any means but um some folks have already read it once i personally have not um but we're going to read it together and we're going to fucking discuss it. Um, I'm thinking what we're going to do is like once every two weeks. So like twice a month, um, I'm going to go live and discuss the book and maybe Kenny will be with us. I'm not sure. <laughs> you um, know how bad my attention span is. It's true. It's true. Um, but yeah, so we're going to, we're going to chat about the book. If you're interested, um, join the Facebook group details will be coming there. Um, and I'm going to post a schedule of sorts so that we can have our little goth ducks in a row. Yes. I'm excited. 
Yes. I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm definitely uh, gonna get the book, uh, and I'm gonna try my best to follow. I'm along. I'm gonna buy it, and I'm gonna look at it. I'm gonna try my best to follow along. I have a very short attention span. Uh, I and I used to read so much when I was little, and then I just like. I was like, I've read enough. And then for you a got lifetime. on them goddamn drugs and that goddamn alcohol and that goddamn <laughs> sex and rock and roll, and now you don't read anymore. <laughs> he had that first marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> he had that first. <laughs> the first marijuana tablet. Yeah, yep, it was just downhill was. from there. No, right public out. school happened. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I don't do it. Um, so yes. Uh, Come join us there. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, we haven't done these in one. Am I having a stroke? Yes. Wow. Okay, let's try again. We haven't done these in a good while. It's a, an Instagram shop. Spotlight. Yay! So one of our awesome listeners, his name is Adam. Adam, we love you. Hi, Adam. He actually posted in the Facebook group this awesome Silence of the Lambs shirt that he had. And it was so fucking cool. It had like lotion, like little lotions and baskets and moths and shit on it. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And of course, they didn't have it in the big girl sizes. And by that, I mean, they only had it in an extra small. Mm -hmm. Um, I was highly upset. However, uh, apparently they restock pretty frequently. But... You should check out Creepy Company. It's all lowercase. It's spelled exactly like the fuck you think it's spelled. I'm not spelling it for you because I'm not Kenny. And I believe in you. You know what? I will come across this podcast table right now. You can't. You'll knock the candles over. No. No, actually, I didn't realize. Um, I actually have bought a shirt. Uh, really? From them. The, pumpkin, the, wit- the pumpkin witch and uh, like skull button down shirt I have. Yeah, that's from them. Oh, I didn't realize that at first until because I asked him when, when I, you know, when we asked him where that shirt was from because it's so fucking amazing. Yeah. You know, and then I was like, oh shit, that's um, like I knew them, but so they do stock pretty regularly. You just have to like uh, hit that notification. Yeah. So that way, you know, they'll know that uh, it's wanted and then they'll restock it. So I uh, hit that notification many yeah. times. <laughs> it's very cool. It's, uh, it's a really cool shop. So check them out at Creepy Company on Instagram. I think they're also at Creepy Company on Twitter and they're on the web too. And you know how to use the internet because it's 2018. And if you don't, Google it. Well, if they don't know how to use the internet, they probably don't know how to use Google. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, how the fuck but yeah, are you, you spend some podcast if you don't know how to huh? use the internet. Oh, yeah, true. What? So you uh, you spent some time in the desert. I did, away from civilization in a far, far off land that is remote, more wild than tamed, I love, where there is no law. I loved some of the, the pictures that you showed me, just the oh, landscapes. Yes. So pretty. Cool. I don't know that I could ever do the desert, but... It was cool. It's it's uh it's not what you think. So the heat, like people are always like, oh, it's so hot, but it's not. Like it's totally different. Um, the heat is like more of a dry heat, and so you don't die. So <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. But no, it's awesome. Nevada's a cool state. Go there. 
Yes. Uh, and I guess that is that a segue? Is that a segue? Katie? I mean, I was fucking trying to make it a segue, but you know what? Nevada is really similar to Australia. Yay, <laughs> Australia. <laughs> if you've been listening to this podcast uh, since its inception. Is that right? Yes, since it's immaculate conception. <laughs> no, I said inception. Is that since right? Since it's immaculately in incongruousception. Words. Yes. Uh, we this is have why we have shown... a book club. Yeah. <laughs> so we can learn some words. Uh, this, yeah, we have shown all the love to Australia. So shout out to our Australian listeners. Fuck yeah, you guys are awesome. I am in awe of Australia. It is a place where everything wants to kill you. But Australians seem to be like very cheerful and fucking deal with it. I love them. Well, I just feel like Australians are like just such like badass people that like it's just a part of that. It's just part of the nature. You We've know? talked about this like in your next like the girl from that. She's fucking amazing. Australian. One of our favorite Australian horror movies, which we're going to talk about a little bit today, Wolf Creek. Yes. Fucking amazing film. Wolf Creek was good. Uh, in our first episode, we talked about uh, The Loved Ones. Yeah, yeah The Loved Ones. I wanted ones. to say The Learners. I'm no, not sure what no, that no, no, movie's about. The Loved about. Ones. So uh, one of my old, uh, I would just say someone that I used to work with. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, was or is Australian. <laughs> Damn, use your words correctly tonight. Uh, she's Australian. Uh, and it was really interesting because she would always, like, we would be working together. And she would always say, like, she'd always have these weird, I'm not going to say weird. She'd always have these this, these different words and ways of saying things. Uh, and But she would always expect me to know them, <laughs> like what she was talking about. Oh, yeah. So, like, she would use a word like uh, skiting. I think that's what she said. She asked me if I was skiting one day, and I was like, what does that mean? I'm not Skyping. <laughs> you mean Skyping? No, it, like gloating. Oh, skiting. Skiting, yeah. Skiting means gloating. I think that's what it was. I think that was the word. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Porky Pies is telling lies. I think I mentioned that in the first episode. That's true, yeah. Because that crazy bitch. Yeah. Are you telling Porky Pies? No. No, I'm not. No. I don't eat pork, babe. I don't eat it's pork fine. Pies. I don't eat pork. I nope. I don't fuck with that. So yeah. yeah. But uh Wolf Creek, one of our favorites. Absolutely. I truly adore that film. And it's not at all my thing. Like What? That, what do you well, mean it's not your thing? Well, no, because I suggested it to somebody on Twitter like a while back, right? And I was like, you have to watch. They were looking for a horror movie um, recommendations. And that's always one that I give because it's one that like I feel like so simultaneously more people have seen that film than I think have seen that film. And also nobody knows that film. Does that make sense? No. Okay, cool. So <laughs> glad we're on the same page. I recommended it to somebody on Twitter and she like – she watched it for a bit, but she was just like, that wasn't really my thing. Like, I don't really go in for the whole, like, torture movie thing. And I, I don't know. I guess it technically is a torture movie, but I've never thought about that movie as a, 
a torture film, like as something like hostile um, or, you know. You don't think? I mean, it is, but also I guess the difference for me is that in something like hostile, I feel like they rely a lot on like what they're doing to people being the terrifying part. You know what I mean? Like they're pulling teeth. Or something like that where it's they try to think of like the worst possible thing that they could do and the action is centered on that thing. Whereas in Wolf Creek, just the character of Mick, like he just is the fucking t- is right. frightening. He wouldn't yeah. he doesn't even have to do anything. Like it doesn't the whole like our head on a stick. Like that whole thing is not the movie isn't about that. It's about him and how fucking terrifying he is. Yeah. And all of the torture is stemming from Look at this fucking terrifying dude. Well, I don't you know? remember there being uh, a lot of like even gratuitous. Like, I mean, yes, I mean, there's, there's gore violent. in it. Yeah, there's, there's gore. gore and violence sure. in it, obviously, but sure. not on a level like hostile where it's like gore for the sake of gore. Right. You know what I mean? It's not about the gore. It's more about the situation and how fucking terrifying it is. Yeah, because he himself is just fucking terrifying. Unfortunately, though, the sequel was not as good as the first one. Mm -hmm. Was not a fan. Yeah. I mean, the first one's incredible. I actually made a gif of, um, oh, I guess it was a meme. I guess this was back in the early days of the meme when I was in college. And a professor did some crazy bullshit, like moved up a deadline or something. And so I got a picture of Mick and he was like, it was the picture of them when they're sitting around the fire and like the guy corrects them or whatever. And he just gives them that and fucking And he just gives like, them the chin up look. Chin up, like death stare. Chin up, severely underlit like stare. Fucking incredible. So I, I think I used that picture and I put something like, oh, I remember what it was. No, it wasn't a professor. I sent it to the registrar because all of a sudden, like <laughs> right before I was going to graduate, they dropped like a bunch of transfer credits that I was gonna have <laughs> so i literally sent it to the registrar and i was like it's two weeks before graduation and you're gonna drop my transfer credits <laughs> tell me more about that <laughs> needless to say the situation was resolved they were fucking terrified of course they fucking were and were they wrong nope not nope. at all not at all but yeah no it just goes to show that like do not trust people ever Literally none. If you were backpacking, especially if you were backpacking just out in the backpack. middle of fucking nowhere. Just don't do it. Do not accept any help from anybody. Stay ever. in your fucking house, babe. Ever. But one of the things that really sort of, well, I guess it always creeps you out when you see this in a movie, but, you know, they say that it was based on true events. Oh, was it? Yeah. How interesting. What if you had someone very close to you who knew a lot about true crime who was also preparing for an episode on Australia? Bitch, is that what you brought to the table today? Who came to tell you everything about Uh, the true story behind Wolf Creek. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Did I steal your thunder? I'm sorry. No, it's fine. No, you laid the segue for me. I think it works. Shit. Okay. You just led me right. It was beautiful. I'm not sure if you were leading or I were leading. That's the art of it. We were dancing. We talk about the the horror movie and then we lead into your forte. And then we just lead right into fucking real life horror. But no, that's one of the things like you always see that and it's like, Mm -hmm. ugh, based on true events. Mm -hmm. But I remember um, early 2000s. Was that? Am I reading? When it happened? Yeah. 
Um, sort of. So we can get into the case if you want no, to. No, 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 no. The movie was in 2000. The movie was in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. The movie was 2005. Yeah. Um, so we can dig into the case. Yeah, I'm ready to get into this fucking case. So Mick, our beloved Mick, right, who is fucking phenomenal, by the way. The actor, I know nothing about the actor. His laugh. Him. You remember his laugh? He's like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was incredible. I, I fucking want to watch this movie again right after this. But um, the actor who plays him was incredible. Uh, looks nothing like the real murderer. Uh, so the real... Really? What does the freaking real murderer look like? That, that upsets um, me. He gives me, like, weird, too hairy, um, like, could be attractive, but there's just so much hair. And also, like, Italian, even though he's not Italian, like, potentially. And I don't know. I'll let you see him. He has this weird handlebar mustache thing that ah. goes into a goatee that's just not really the best. Hmm. I could see where there make. could be some like bit of like he's got a good like got good bone structure. He does. Like he's got like great he, bone structure. I'm not mad at the handlebar mustache. I'm a little I'm a little upset. Um, I feel like he's gonna bust my door down and be like, ma'am. The police are here on a noise. He looks ordinance. like he would be like that's the handlebar mustache of the of someone who would like be in the the YMCA, the policeman for the YMCA. Yeah, either yeah. It's a little. It's, it's a little I'm seeing police. It's a little leather bar. Uh, real it is. <laughs> it, it's very. Le- I think that's why I'm uncomfortable with it. And I think that's why I'm not mad at personal. It. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm well. Let me tell you what he fucking did, and then maybe you'll be mad at yourself like me and okay. feel un- un- upset about okay. it. So uh, his name is Ivan Malat. Ivan. Ivan. I like Mick better. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I think that they were maybe playing to the uh, to the back of the crowd on on Mick because Mick se- Mick just sounds so fucking Australian bumpkin yeah. to me. Anyway, not saying that Australians are bumpkins. Please don't fucking come find me and kill me. I love you people. You people are phenomenal to travel with, and I'm in awe of you. And I would marry probably every single Australian woman. Just saying. So. Back to Ivan. Yes. Ivan. And his trouble. So Ivan Malat is uh, more commonly known as the backpacker murderer or the backpack killer. He was convicted of seven murders of backpackers in Australia. Um, So he was born December 1944 in Guildford, Australia. I have no fucking idea where that is. To an immigrant family from Yugoslavia. Okay. So apparently he was kind of rough um, growing up. From the age of eighteen of seventeen, he was constantly in trouble with the police, but it didn't really. Um... Oh, sorry, but nothing that he did up to that point um, ever came close to the seven murders that he was convicted of in nineteen ninety six. So this went down in the nineties. Oh, so all right, yeah, like later nineties. Uh-huh. Okay, and then like ten years later they made the movie, which makes sense, right? Yeah. So. Convicted of seven. Remember that. That's important. So he was born in 1944. He was one of 14 children. Um, Damn. Yes. Apparently growing up, his life was really rural um, and his family was really insular, uh, meaning that they kept to themselves. That's your 
Word of the day on the haunted. This heart is podcast. the the haunted heart dictionary. <laughs> the, the haunted dictionary. The haunted dictionary, <laughs> where we just spout off. We just should just do a, a whole episode of just spouting off random, just random words. Just that sounds very de- Twin definition. Peaks. I'm into it. So, so Milot's family was very. They kept to themselves. Um, and they, there's actually not a lot that's known about his upbringing because the family was so close knit and so like hush hush. However, his brother, Boris, Boris. I love these names. His brother, Boris. his brother, Boris said that he exhibited psychopathic tendencies from very early on, but other family members have spoken out and said that that's not the case. Um, apparently he had a fascination for hunting and guns from a very young age and his parents were super strict. Um, and he and his brothers had a reputation for kind of causing trouble in the, in the neighborhood and the police were well acquainted with, I guess, the way to, um, the Malats household wow. as the kids got older. And he sounds like he could be from Southern Virginia. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're not wrong. You might be onto something. So, um, he committed car thefts and breaking and entering and armed robberies, um, from the age of 17 onward. However, in 1971, he had his first big run-in uh, with the law when he was put on trial for the alleged rape of two female hitchhikers. Ooh, no. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that ever. So, I mean, but that was like the 70s and everybody Raping, fucking... I mean. like oh, Also, yeah. like, yeah, don't do that. Also, yeah, fucking... don't hitchhike yeah, either. You, yeah, don't ever fucking rape anybody. And if you do, fuck you. I'm going to find you. I'm going to hurt you. In a court of law. Of course. <laughs> she says, as she stares off into the distance with the candlelight burning slowly in her eyes. You know, in the court of law. Anyway... This piece of shit apparently uh, had been armed with a knife when he came across these two female hitchhikers, and they actually testified against him, but he was acquitted on the rape charges when the prosecution failed to make a convincing case against him. What the him. fuck does that even mean? I don't know. I would think that a convincing case would maybe consist of two fucking female hitchhikers who are present and testifying against him. But I guess that's not enough to make a case, is it? Oh, my God. Anywho. Nineteen seventy one. Nineteen seventy one? Yep, that was nineteen seventy one. So he was acquitted and that just kind of went away. Then in we'll actually come back for that one. So we're gonna we're gonna come back. So we're gonna jump ahead a little bit. The story's kinda hard to tell because it's a little bit all over the place. So that was nineteen seventy one and he was acquitted, nothing happened. So in nineteen ninety two in the Bel- I'm going to fuck up every single pronunciation of every single place in Australia. I'm really sorry. Um, Belongalo State Forest, near an area known as Executioner's Drop, um, there were some exercise enthusiasts who were out for their weekly run. Don't do that either. Yeah. Don't run. You know how we feel about this. Unless something's chasing you, then run. I mean, yeah, but like just no. Stay at home. Sleep in. Fuck, yeah, like, sleep in. Like, sleep in, comma, fuck, comma. <laughs> <laughs> eat breakfast. Like, yeah, eat some Fuck food. again. Watch no. some fucking Netflix. Like, don't yeah. go out and jog. Ugh. Don't discover crimes so we can solve them. No. <laughs> so this is September 1992. You have these 
incredible hobby joggers who are out on their weekly run. Hobby joggers. Hobby joggers. <laughs> hobby joggers. You hobby know. joggers. You remember hobby joggers? We talked about them before. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not a hobby jogger. Okay, we have to be serious. The murder part happens now. Okay. Okay. So, 19, September 1992, these joggers are out. They're on their weekly run. They're being super healthy. They're by executioner's drop. And they find, they stumble upon the uh, bodies of British backpackers Caroline Clark and Joanne Walters. Both mm. girls had been missing since May of that year of 1992 when they had teamed up to look for work south of Sydney. Joanne Walters had been stabbed repeatedly, including one wound to her spine that it was believed might have paralyzed her while the killer continued his vicious attack. Holy fuck. That's what he did. That's what they did in the movie. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they, they showed in the movie. Cause he came in and he had that fucking hunter's knife mm-hmm. and he like got her like right in a sp- the specific yeah, between two, place. Co- two vertebrae. Yep. Yeah. And it just paralyzed him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my God. So the zip, the zipper of Joanne Walter's jeans had been undone, but the top button was still fastened as if she had been partially stripped and then sexually assaulted, but then buttoned up hastily after the attack. Her remains were too badly decomposed to establish uh, for 100% whether a sexual attack had actually occurred or not. So that part is kind of suspected, I guess, but Mm -hmm. can't be confirmed because of decomposition. Got it. So Caroline Clark was also stabbed repeatedly. She had been shot in the head 10 times. Holy fuck. 10 times. She also had a similar spinal wound to Walter's. Four bullets that remained inside her skull were preserved for forensic analysis, and detectives were confident that they could track the weapon responsible for her murder from those um, bullets. Because, of course, you know, the 90s, the early 90s, that's when forensics is just starting to be kind of right. a big deal. Right, 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 right. Right. So near the bodies, they found a primitive brick fireplace, and there were a bunch of cigarette butts and spent 22 caliber cartridge cases. So it looked like the killer had kind of hung out there for a while. People kind of started to get a little bit paranoid, and a forensic psychiatrist, Dr. Rod Milton, was brought onto the case. But despite all the effort that was put into this, the police kind of like didn't have a lot of leads to go on so they they made little progress over the next couple weeks well i Um, suppose it was hard like because the bodies had already been like kind of decomposed and you don't really like it's out in the middle of nowhere right yeah Yeah. so i guess you well i guess it's not out in the middle of nowhere because you do have like fucking hobby joggers jogging around so it's not in the middle yeah but it's it's been it's it's my belief that most hobby joggers like literally go out and jog in the middle (laughs) with headphones in yeah and a blindfold on yeah um, so this guy, Rod Milton, he, you know, the forensic psychiatrist, he comes onto the, to the case and concludes that the killer was in his mid thirties with a history of aggression and was familiar with the surrounding terrain and motivated by the pleasure of inflicting pain. He didn't believe that a serial killer was responsible, although he thought that it was possible that the killer might have an assistant. Huh. So... That was September 1992. In October of 1993, a second set of bodies were found. Again, they were very badly decomposed, but the remains that were found were those of Australian nationals James Gibson and Deborah Everest, who had gone missing in 1989. 
Holy hell. So these people had been missing before actually Caroline Clark and Joanne Walters had been missing. So Gibson, interestingly, Gibson's, James Gibson's zipper was intact. It was open, but the top button was fastened yet again. Very similar to Joanne Walters. Postmortem examinations again revealed the paralyzing spinal knife wounds inflicted in a similar manner to Clark as as they were with Clark and Walters. Hmm, do you think we might have a serial killer now? I think we might have a serial killer. I mean, I'm not a forensic analyst or like any of that, but I do host a paranormal slash true crime I mean, podcast. We do run a shitty podcast, so we might. So I think my credentials speak for themselves. Can I get a card? When I say we might have a fucking serial killer. Yep. So obviously the police are like shitting bricks. Um, the superintendent of police are he's like his name is Clive Small, by the way. Um, he is like shitting bricks. So he sets up this huge task force to basically do a massive manual search of the Belangelo forest area. And despite the massive search, uh, it was almost a month before the next victim was found on November 1st. Um, this victim was German national Simone Schmidl. And she had been missing since January of 1991 when she was planning to hitchhike south from Sydney in search of work again. The fireplace was also set up next to her body, um, and discarded twenty-two shells were close by. So there was no doubt that she had fallen victim to the same killer, and she also showed the trademark spinal injury. Mm. The paralyzing spinal injury. So three days later, uh, on November 4th, um, the search yielded its final two victims, which... uh, who were German nationals Anja Hapschid and her boyfriend Gabor Neufire. And they had been missing since just after Christmas of 1991. The boys' jeans were unzipped, but the button was fastened, and he had been strangled as well as shot several times. The recovered bullets were a perfect match to the bullets that were recovered from um, Carolyn Clark, the four bullets that were recovered from her. Um, the girl's body was missing its skull completely, which appeared to have been severed. Missing its skull? Yeah, the girl's, the girl's body was missing its skull completely. Oh, okay. I mean, can She it? was decomposed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so finally, after we found how many bodies? Superintendent Small was forced to admit to the media that the police were looking for a serial oh, killer. Oh, great. Okay, Wonderful. Good. Yep. Thanks for letting us know. Um, Thank you, Captain fucking obvious. So they, I mean, I don't want to be too hard on them because I'm not out here hunting down serial killers. Like, let's be honest. So I mean, thanks for doing the literally fucking good work. had to do a search for more bodies because you kept finding bodies. Um, again, the Lord says it's not for us to judge. Well, it's a good thing. No, I'm not. <laughs> so all of the methods employed by the killer, including beating, strangulation, shooting, stabbing, and decapitation, as well as the sexual assault of both male and female victims, made it really hard to narrow down the suspect list, right? Because there's one thing that we know about serial killers is that they have their things. And even though this guy seems to be very much motivated by the whole masochistic thing, he has a lot going on, right? So 
police were got really, really bogged down by um, the sheer volume of calls from citizens who were trying to give whatever information they possibly could. However, they actually amazingly kind of semi-quickly were able to kind of zero in on the Malat family and Ivan Malat in particular, although they didn't have any firm evidence for him. Um, they kind of looked at... I guess people in the area who had been, you know, going back to the forensic psychiatrist, um, what was his name? Dr. Fucking lost it. Dr. Rod Milton, what he was talking about, about the killer be, you know, being in his thirties, having a history of violence, being very aggressive. And they kind of looked at things like that. And Ivan's 1971 rape case kind of sent off a red flag for them. And then they got to talking to people and independent reports from people calling in, you know, he seemed like like he could be their guy, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, people that knew him. Right. So, people that knew him were like, oh, kind of fucked up. Uh, this guy might, might want to check his ass out. And just all I'm saying, hey, Ivan. <laughs> but a lot of that happened, you know, that happens sometimes. There's, We all have that one person that's kind of like, that one motherfucker that you wouldn't be surprised if they popped off and killed somebody. You know what I mean? <laughs> We all yeah, have that one person. Yeah, I, 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 I know exactly what you mean. Y- you might be that one person <laughs> for me. So, listen, police, you might want to check me out. No, no, that's no. not basically what I'm trying to say is that the reports that were coming in about Ivan were not necessarily um, unique. However, there was one linchpin in this case, and if you listen to, um, if you if you know this case, then you know where we're headed. Back in 1990, now remember the first bodies were found in 1992. Mm-hmm. Two years before the first bodies were found, in January 1990, specifically January 25th, Ivan Malat picked up British backpacker Paul Onions, who was hitchhiking south from Sydney in search of work, similarly to the victims that we just talked about. Malat was initially super friendly. He introduced himself as Bill. But he asked a lot of personal questions and questions about Paul's plans that he found particularly unnerving. And he said that he became concerned for his safety when Malat began ranting, making racist and xenophobic remarks. When Malat pulled his car to the side of the road, Paul Onions tried to get out, but Malat pulled a revolver and told him to put on his seatbelt. At which point, Paul Onions makes the fucking hero's choice. And just fucking bolts like a motherfucker for safety. <laughs> he runs. He leaves his backpack. He leaves all his shit. He leaves every single possession that he had on him and his passport. He did not give a fuck. And he bolts. Wise. Despite the fact that uh, Ivan Malat had threatened that he would shoot him, Paul Onions managed to get away and flag down a passing car, which took him to the nearest police station so that he could report the incident, which he did. He returned to Sydney. Stopped right on by the embassy to replace his passport and eventually returned to the fucking UK. Where he was safe and not, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, that. Well, we can get into UK murders later, but. I mean, he was away from this fucking Wolf Creek motherfucker. True. That's true. Fucking spine cutting. Damn. No. (laughs) Yes. So Paul Onions manages to get away because he runs like hell. And in April of 1994, Paul decides he's going to contact Australian authorities. 
on the Malat case. So he basically contacts authorities. Uh, he gives them all the information about his attack and his encounter with Ivan Malat in 1990. And that was actually corroborated by an independent call from a woman who had rescued Onions, who's the person who was driving the car that had driven him to the police station. And the police recognized um, that clearly they were dealing with the same guy. Yeah. So Paul Onions fucking, I can't even imagine. He flew out, he flew back from the UK to Australia where he identified Malat from a video lineup which basically gave police the information that they needed or the justification that they needed to seek a warrant, um, a search warrant for his properties, for the Malat family properties. So they carried out a raid in May of 1994, which revealed a huge amount of evidence leaking Malat to um, the crimes that were committed in, well, the crimes that we discussed, the victims that we discussed, and also several other victims who are still unknown to this day. So they found personal effects from tons of victims. They found clothing, sleeping bags, camping equipment, as well as massive amounts of ammunition. They found parts of disassembled weapons, including a 22 caliber rifle. Ooh, and you'll recall that we gotcha. saw 22 caliber shells at every scene. He also had a long curved cavalry sword suitable for the beheading of Anja Habshid, which was found locked in a cupboard in the home of Milat's mother. So clearly they found all this shit, and they were like... It might be him. You gotta go to jail, babe. So they arrest him, take him into custody for questioning where he was super evasive and very uncooperative. He was initially charged with the attack on Paul Onions, and then he subsequently was charged uh, with the seven murders once the ballistic evidence matched his twenty-two caliber rifle to the attacks. He actually... Cho- I thought this was interesting. He chose to hire the same lawyer who represented him in 1971 for his rape trial, but he fired him um, when that lawyer advised that Malat plead guilty. I mean, <laughs> bruh. So, want to plead guilty. Yeah. So he was charged with all seven murders and the attack on Paul Onions, and he chose to plead not guilty to all of the charges. The case took about 12 weeks. However, oh, I'm sorry. The case took 15 weeks. But in July of 1996, the jury returned after three days of deliberation and found him guilty on all charges. He was sentenced to six years imprisonment for the attack on Paul Onions and seven consecutive life sentences for each one of his murders. When he was asked if he had any comment, Malat continued to protest his innocence. So I wonder if he still claims his innocence to to this day. Is he still alive? As late, yep, he is still alive. Fuck. Hopefully not fucking listening. Fuck. Um, he is our he is our Australian listener. Oh my god, I would be so fucking disappointed. God damn it, I would be so mad. Just sitting in a jail somewhere, just listening to our podcast. No, so he. There were some very interesting. Um, There were some very interesting developments after he actually was put in jail. Um, So he, it's kind of ridiculous. On January 26th of 2009, he cut off his little finger with a plastic knife with the intention of mailing it to the high court. What the fuck? Fucking. 
First of all, how the hell do you cut off your finger with a plastic knife? I really feel like a Hallmark card would make a much better impression. I mean, damn. Or they have potato grams. You could send a potato gram instead. Or just write a letter. I mean, if you're mad, there's that website that like you can send a bag of dicks to somebody. You really, <laughs> there are really lots of options instead of cutting off your own pinky finger with a plastic knife. However, uh, they took him to the hospital under high security. Um, and when uh, he was returned to prison, oh, no, they took him to, ho- to the hospital so that they could try to put his pinky back on. And they were like, nope, sorry, <laughs> can't do that. So they returned him to prison. Um, like, nope, oh, sorry, we're done. And just like the doctor throws the pinky over his shoulder into the trash bin. <laughs> yeah, apparently he had like a history of this because in 2001 he had swallowed razor blades and staples and like a bunch of other metal shit. No, I mean, okay, but like. But no. Fucking crazy. Yeah. And then in 2011, I know you're going to love this one. Uh, in 2011, he went on a hunger strike and he lost 25 kilograms and an unsuccessful attempt to be given a PlayStation. <laughs> so. Wait, he doesn't even seem like the type of guy who would be into PlayStation. Like, what? Yeah, I don't know. He, yeah, right? I would say he's maybe not all there. Seems weird. Maybe he wanted to play the new, like, Bass Pro Shops game or whatever. I don't know any hunting games. I, like, I don't know if The, like, exists. a new Cabela's a game. Maybe. Like, shooting wildlife and stuff. Maybe. Or, you know, hitchhikers. Awful. Maybe he was into like Animal Crossing. <laughs> so another another interesting development in in 2012, his great nephew, whose name is Matthew Malott, and his friend, the nephew's friend, Cohen Klein, both age 19, were sentenced to 43 years and 32 years, respectively, in prison for murdering David Octoroni on his 17th birthday with an axe. At the Belangelo State Forest in 2010. So that was his nephew. His, his great nephew. Great, great nephew. And his friend. Um, so it was his great nephew and his great nephew's friend. Yes. And they killed somebody in the same place where mm-hmm. his great uncle where had been doing. they found all bodies. Yep. Apparently, I, I, Matthew, the great nephew, struck David Ottoroni with the double-headed axe as Cohen Klein recorded the attack with a mobile phone. I hate that shit. Like, I mean, it's murder. I hate it in general. But, like, that is some... We discussed this on our personalities thing about the whole empathy thing with me and my personality. And that just is, like, the epitome of, like, zero empathy is to sit and record something like that. Like, I fucking hate you that's fucked up dude i mean clearly whatever jury was in that trial agreed with you because they sentenced that motherfucker to 32 years in prison and the guy who actually did the murdering you know what i would do 43 years i'd put a record i i would record him live every day live stream his ass in prison i would live stream never a private moment again never a private moment and he would be forced to sit and watch his own self Oh, he would okay. have a TV screen, and that's all. So it would, it would be, be like Hannibal Lecter style, except it would just be him watching himself. Yeah, he would be watching himself in a cell, mm. rot, mm. Uh, barely kept alive. Damn. All right, I'm. All right. You. you <laughs> I really promise deep. I'm not twisted. You really <laughs> Maybe deep I in am. there. You really. Hmm. Yikes. So yes, uh, 2005. 
Now, that was five years before his grandnephew murdered that guy in Valangelo State Forest is when uh, Wolf Creek came out. Oh, five. Wait, wait, wait. He, wait, he. So the murders happened in the 90s, right? Yeah. He was yeah, sentenced yeah, yeah. in 96. About... Yeah. And then in 2005, Wolf Creek comes out. Mm-hmm. And then in 2010, his great nephew and his friend murder somebody in a copycat killing. Fucking in, copycat in motherfucker. Like, yeah. no. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. And then the year after his great nephew was sentenced, uh, Wolf Creek 2 came out. In 2013. <clears throat> it's not good. So that's the crazy, wild, fucked up story of Ivan Milat and of the incredible hero of our story, Paul Onions, <laughs> who got away from that motherfucker and trusted his instincts. He and said, ran far and wide and then circled back on that ass six years said, later and said, fuck you. Actually, I think it was four years later. He tapped back on that ass, honey. He, he said, sure oh, did. Oh, you thought I was gone? Guess again, bitch. He said, oh, hi. Oh, hi. Remember me? Oh, hi. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, like, hearing all of this to see the relation between like the actual events and then the film yeah because like i said it was it seemed to be pretty like for the most part like they hit on the key elements of the case yeah i mean clearly it was dramatized but like there was more about the movie because when i found the case i was like oh so the movie's probably like 99 percent fiction right and it's just loosely based off of this case but there actually were some big moments what the fuck was he that doing um, shooting that one girl in the head so many times for? Ten times. Well, it's actually thought by some authorities that he may have used her skull for target practice. What the fuck? Yeah, it's really, really fucked up. Um, that's one of the things that is thought about the case. It's not necessarily confirmed, but a couple sources had reported that. Actually. Oh my god. It's really bad. Ugh. That's that's fucked up. Yep. That's insane. But yes, um, because in the movie, like, uh when they realized like <laughs> how up shit creek uh, up Wolf Creek they were, <laughs> uh, they s- found all of the um like sleeping bags, camcorders, mm-hmm. like all of that stuff that he had collected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he really did do that. And then the whole, like, cutting of the spine thing. Yep. Um. That, to me, is the scariest part. This, the, and it's the most horrifying part of the movie, too, is that, like, description of, like, when there's somebody who's clearly off their fucking rocker, and, like, the idea that somebody could incapacitate you to that level where you're paralyzed, but then, like, you still are present for... I just can't imagine. It just. Yeah, I mean that Ugh. would li- like obviously, you he learned that skill from like hunting. Yeah. So he was very much a, I don't know. He's very much a predator in that sense. So it's like, because I remember in the movie he literally just like the character literally just snuck up behind that girl and like just nicked her one good time. Yep. And the right, like, the perfect spot. And then, bam, on the floor. Yep. And then, like, from that moment on. And you can't even, like, 
blame the character half the time, mm-hmm. like after that. So it's wow. Yeah, it's pretty. Wow. It's pretty rough. Now, did that happen? It was. I'm trying to think because in Wolf Creek, I know he picked them. He picked the the people up, the characters so in, in next Wolf to a Creek, crater. They, in Wolf Creek, they clearly like um, simplify the story because this motherfucker jumps around like crazy. Yeah, back and forth in time. Um, it was kind of hard to structure it because of that. But um, in Wolf Creek, the premise is that they're all traveling together, and I think it's like two couples, and there may even it's be like two a girls fifth, and a guy. Yeah, two girls and a guy. Um, so there's three of them and, um, and they're all traveling together and he picks them up. I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but like he, he, he basically orchestrates picking them up, uh, due to like car trouble or whatever. And then, um, takes them back to his compound. Yeah, no. So they're not in the state forest and yada, yada, yada. Well, they were, they were traveling and they had visited the Wolf Creek Crater which uh, is a real spot. Oh, um, okay. I wonder how so, close that is to the forest. I don't know. Um, I know that the, they were. The, I know that that is a real location, uh, the Wolf Creek Crater. Um, and I don't know. I guess like, you know, car trouble. Car broke down, and then you know he just I guess just sees them, stumbles upon them. No, in the movie, no, no, no he, he saw them. No, 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 no. But no, I no. didn't want to give that away because it's one of my favorite fucking parts. I mean. The movie's been out since 2005. Like, okay, so they go to a gas station, and they're just, like, fucking chilling, and there's this motherfucker in the background all them. blurry and shit. He's in the fucking yeah. background and not the foreground. Um, but I fucking clocked his ass. Um, so when they went When to they like, went into the gas station to, like, sit down and eat or whatever, like, he was outside just chilling. And then later they go to the crater and then their car doesn't work anymore and it's getting dark and he just fucking shows up out of the blue like, all right, all right. And that's my, that's my impression. It's great. Um, and then he offers to be a kind stranger and tow them back to his fucking impound, which is surrounded by a large fence. Um, but, you know, clearly he fucking caused the car trouble because yeah. he fucked with their car at the gas station. Yeah. Which is why I like to eat lunch on top of my car whenever I'm traveling anywhere. I just yeah. go through the drive-thru and then I park on the other side in the drive-thru, get out of the vehicle, sit on top of it, and have a nice meal. Why? Uh, ain't nobody fucking with my shit. Yeah, but if you're in the fucking car... Who's fucking with your shit? Why would you get out of your car? I don't know, man. That makes no Sometimes sense. Sometimes you want to, like, enjoy the No, nah, I'm not saying it's fucking summertime. Who's sitting on the fucking hood of a goddamn car? Maybe. Your fucking ass is going to be fried. I enjoy it. No, I'm... Okay, you sit on the fucking hood of your goddamn car. I'm going to be uh, pulled off to the side. Uh, doors locked. Windows up. Fully doors locked. T- doors locked. Windows up. Fully tinted sunglasses on actually just don't fucking stop at gas stations just get all the gas that you need for the trip before you leave town get a tesla just get all the gas put it all in the car there you go yeah so um i guess that sort of segues a little bit into my topic now just talking about the wolf creek crater Uh, you're gonna talk about a crater no i'm not talking about a crater i'm not talking about a crater but uh, what's interesting 
in my research, like I sort of dug a little bit into uh, the history of the indigenous people of uh, Australia. Okay. Uh, and what sort of connected it for me was um, the crater itself. So the local, uh, the local indigenous people sort of refer to the crater as the uh, as Candy Malal, mm-hmm. and and there are multiple like dreaming stories about the formation of the crater. So in my research, I came across a lot of um, a lot of information around what the indigenous people call the dream time, uh, which was really really fascinating and it deals a lot with or it talks a lot about it talks about uh the how the world was made how everything came to be uh and it's really beautiful and very very interesting and it inspires a lot of their their artwork as well mm-hmm. and if you've never like researched like the art like from the indigenous people it is absolutely beautiful Oh yeah. Very colorful, very beautiful. Love the style. It's very um symbolic of the land uh and their um spiritualism with this dream time world. But it's very esoteric. I stumbled across some of it when I was kind of looking into it. There's so many fucking good topics to talk about when it comes to Australia. Yeah. Um but I was I was checking out a little bit of their, you know, mythology and their system of spiritualism and a lot of the art was really, really cool. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. So that kind of led me um, to research a little bit into some of the customs and some of the culture. And a lot of it is, uh, again, a lot of us don't know mm-hmm. the majority of, you know, what goes on. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when we talked about voodoo where, like, it's a closed society so if we're not right. part of it you know obviously we're fucking podcasters we're in DC. Fucking too we are about as far white. removed as you could get we're from too the aboriginal white population so americans yeah sitting over here thousands of miles away from look we just like your art and your fucking no and i, I will say um i will say uh if you're interested definitely research uh i Gary Foley, he is a uh, he is an activist for a lot of the uh, uh, indigenous rights movements that they've got going on over there, and has mm-hmm. been active. And I've watched like watching a couple of his videos is uh, like that he has on YouTube and stuff like that was really cool. So um, okay. definitely check that out. But um, what was interesting is that in the indigenous culture, they don't really believe in. They like they don't think that death is natural. Really? Huh. Yes. So it's a very traditional belief um, that there is no such thing as natural death, and that all deaths are considered to be the result of evil spirits or spells, uh, usually influenced by an enemy. Huh. Yes. So. Often, a dying person will whisper the name of the person they think caused their death. If the identity of the guilty person is not known, a quote-unquote magic man will watch for a sign, such as uh, like an animal burrow leading from the grave that sort of uh, directs them 
to where the guilty party is at. Uh, and this, and it can take years for them to identify like who they think was the cause of the death. Um, but eventually it was always discovered. The practice was that they have a ritual executioner mm-hmm. called a Kurdicha. So this was usually, um, like I said, this was the person that essentially sought out revenge for the dead for, or uh, yeah, was like avenging the dead. So the elders like of the mob that the deceased belonged to, they would hold a meeting and decide a suitable punishment. And again, the Kurdicha may or may not have been used to avenge that person. Um, but it leads into a specific uh, topic of magic uh, called bone pointing, uh, which was really interesting. So another name for the Kurdicha, actually, like Europeans refer to the Kurdicha, like refer to the term Kurdicha as the shoes that they wear, which is really interesting because their shoes are made from feathers, like matted feathers mixed with human blood. Uh, in such a way that the blood cannot be detected, and even a close examination does not reveal, like, really how the feathers remain stuck together. And the upper surface is covered with a net woven from human hair. Mm. Um, And it's completely taboo for any woman or child to see them, and when not in use, are kept wrapped in uh, kangaroo skin or hidden in a sacred place. Um, But essentially, the Kredaicha would wear these shoes when they were searching for their the guilty party the guilty party yes interesting and before the shoes can be worn a secret ritual uh, has to be performed on them a stone is heated red hot and then placed against the ball of the small toe once the joint has softened the toe is jerked outwards dislocating the joint oh And although the ritual has never been observed, examinations of the feet of men who claimed to have been Kurdicha have all shown the same peculiar dislocation. So, sorry, before they put your shoe on, like, I'm thinking, like, Cinderella, glass slipper, does it fit, right? Yeah. (laughs) No. Uh, Except the prince fucking presses a hot-ass rock to your foot and then rips your pinky toe out of socket. Yeah. And then shoves your shoe on. Yeah. Uh, and so, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. And additionally, the genuine. I don't think I would bookmark that one on no, Indeed.com. I don't think no. I would. Um, I've had my fucking toe like dislocated, and it is not fun. Ooh. No, it no, no, fun. no, no, no. It is not fun. But yes, so the Kurdicha shoe has a small opening on one side where like the dislocated little toe can be inserted. So it has its own like little. You know. Like a cradle. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So very interesting. But um, is there, did was there anything in your reading with regard to like the significance of the pinky toe being? Not that I could find. Yeah. Um, it's probably like I said, it's a part of the whole get. like yeah. secret things that you really probably right. won't. Yeah. You know, you probably won't know. Um, again, because none of it had ever been like actually witnessed. Um, they just, you know, had. The examples from these men who had claimed right. to, who claimed to be Kurdicha. Right. So, um, but again, going back into the bone pointing aspect of it, so the expectation that death would result from having a bone pointed uh, at a victim uh, is not something that is unheard of. 
So there are other similar rituals that uh, cause death that have been recorded. Um, it's kind of like you would see the victims. They would become listless, very apathetic. They would refuse food, water. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like almost like being cursed to die. So you it happens gradually. Hmm. So when a victim survived uh a, you know this bone pointing it is assumed that the ritual was faulty and this phenomenon is often referred to today as a as psychosemantic yeah and that death is caused by an emotional response often fear to some suggested outside force uh and it's also kind of known as voodoo death mm-hmm. and so because this is from a specific religion the the, the medical establishment uh, has suggested that like self-willed death or bone pointing syndrome is the more appropriate term. Hmm. And in Australia, the practice is still common enough that hospitals and nursing staff are actually trained to manage illness caused by quote unquote bad spirits and bone pointing, which is pretty cool. If you ask me, that's yeah, that's really cool. Actually. <laughs> like I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> I mean, I just think that that's awesome that, like, I just think that it's awesome that they do that. So, so yeah, okay. So, there's actually an example. So, there was one guy. So, in 1953, a dying uh, indigenous man named Kinjinka was uh, flown from Arnhem Land in Australia's Northern Territory to a hospital in Darwin. Tests revealed he had not been poisoned, injured, nor was he suffering from any sort of injury. Yet the man was most definitely dying. And after four days of agony spent in the hospital, Kanjika died on the 5th. And it was said he died of bone pointing. Uh, And again, like we've discussed, uh, bone pointing is the method of execution. And it's said to leave no trace and never fails to kill its victim unless the ritual was Was performed incorrectly. Right. Um, The bone that is used in... The curse is either made uh, from human bone, uh, kangaroo, uh, or sometimes occasionally wood. Okay. So the shape of the killing bone uh, varies from tribe to tribe. The lengths can be from six to nine inches. Uh, and they look kind of like a, kind of like a, a long needle. Mm. And at the rounded end, a piece of hair is attached through the hole and glued into place with a like a type of um, like a type of resin mm-hmm. from a specific uh, bush that can be found, mm-hmm. uh, and so before it can be used, this bone is charged with a powerful psychic energy and a ritual. Again, that we don't know; it's kept secret from anyone who's not a member of that specific tribe. Right, and the bone is then given to the Kredicha who. Um, then uses that to like go out and hunt um, the person if they had fled. Hmm. Again, we've went through, they put on the shoes. That's all a part of the ritual. Uh, sometimes they, the Kredicha would hunt in pairs of threes and would pursue their victims for years, never giving up until they caught them. Once the man is caught, one of the Kredicha goes down onto one knee and points the bone the victim is said to be frozen with fear and stays to hear the curse, which is a brief piercing chant. Uh, then he and his fellow hunters return to the village and the bone is ritually burned. 
And the condemned may live for several days or weeks, but going back to that whole psychosemantic thing, because he believes so strongly in the curse that has been uttered, he dies from it because Mm -hmm. of that belief. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a way, the bone is seen as like a spear of thought, which pierces the victim when the bone is pointed at him. Mm -hmm. Almost like an actual spear would be. So it's like so much intention and power put into it and just sent through the victim, essentially. And the man, uh, Kanjinka, had actually been accused of an incestuous relationship. And instead of going to his trial, he fled the village. And the hunters found him and cursed. And it is said that that is why he died. Interesting. Yeah. like there, And there's a couple other like of related rituals that all sort of go back to this like bone pointing thing. Um Sometimes the bone is soaked in liquid from a decomposing corpse, and when completed, the bone is placed near a fire until the paste um, that it's put on it from, like, uh, uh, a type of fish that they use to, like, coat it. Mm -hmm. When that, like, melts off from the fire, the victim is supposed to to die. Um, And sometimes Mm -hmm. they would just scratch him with the bone, which would more than likely cause infection uh-huh. to cause him to die because it had rotted nasty things on it. Yeah, corpse juice. Well, yeah, well, not, corpse aid. not good. Um, yeah. Sometimes they would actually even use them to just like actually fucking kill somebody. Yeah. So like a, they would, yeah, knife. like uh, you might have had it's a down. couple of Kardaitja who were like, uh, I'm not trying to wait for this. Like, so, um, a more direct method that some like has been uh, that has been researched is they would take the bone like again from the kangaroo or emu or whatever, and the they would split it in half and they would sharpen one end of it to an extremely fine point, and the shape of the bone forms like a semicircular point, kind of similar to like a um, like a pin. So mm-hmm. one person would hold the victim down. Um, sometimes while they slept, and while the other one inserted the bone into the hollow of the neck behind the collarbone and would push it down until it pierces the heart. When the bone is withdrawn, it leaves a very small semicircular flap of flesh, which is then pressed down to seal the wound. And the wound does not bleed and is almost invisible. And mm-hmm. in 1884, two such murders were recorded near Adelaide. Is that how you say that? I think so, yeah. Adelaide. And in the early 1970s, a 6,000-year-old skeleton was unearthed um, in South Australia that had a similar bone still in position within the rib cage. Mm. Yeah. So huh. the burial was of a apparently was 6, of a young 000. person of like pretty high status. So they don't know huh. um, why that occurred, but interesting. Yeah, that's some like ancient some ancient like bone magic going on there which i thought was just like i thought that that was really interesting i like the like just the idea that these people are so or these kardaicha men are so dedicated that they would literally hunt it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the it follows you know what i mean like Oh, like yeah. they are that like, no matter what they're like relentlessly coming like for they are you. relentlessly gonna come it. for you yeah and then like the moment they find you they just point this fucking bone at you and like that would freak me the fuck out for <laughs> like, sure <laughs> oh yeah 
And what sucks about it is that, you know, it's not like this was a fair trial. Like, <laughs> you know. Right. It was like, what sign? Like. What if they wrong, fam? What right. if you just had some real good deliciousness right. in your cabin and so the animals burrowed to your cabin? Right. See, I'm that would fuck saying. me up because you know I'm about that good food. Right. I'm just saying. And again, like I said, this is all... Um, like I said, there's a lot that we don't know. I'm not trying I'm to I'm sure there's a ton that we don't know. I'm sure there's a ton that's like misinterpreted and stuff because there's a lot of pieces we don't have, so. Yeah, so I, again, you know, utmost respect to the indigenous people of um, Australia. And, and know, come tell us what we got wrong, but don't <laughs> point any bones at us. Actually, stay there. From there, tell us what we got wrong. Actually, email us. At the haunted heart podcast the haunted at gmail.com. Heart podcast at gmail.com. No bone attachments. Thank you. Not interested in that. Nope. Um, yeah. I think that's Australia. It's it's so hard to do like one. Oh, we'll, on there, there will definitely be like we'll we'll circle There's back so like eventually. much cool shit going on there. I have always said that I would be like too chicken shit to actually go. I've been there. I have had a layover in the Sydney airport, but I didn't get to leave the airport, which is unfortunate. But yeah, I've uh, I was there for a trip to New Zealand, but I didn't spend much time in Australia. Been there for a layover. Yeah, no, we'll definitely have to go back because Australia has like some pretty awesome like uh, their own like creatures like there's so much more going yes. into the realm yeah. of the dream time and there's a and shitload like the of like true crime stuff there's so paranormal much. stuff as well yep yeah there's some really cool paranormal stuff so i mean i definitely see us like coming back in the future to australia yeah. australia so. you a cool motherfucker australia we love you we do we love you Hopefully you're still here with us i hope so <laughs> hopefully you I didn't hope fucking so. lose you i hope so you know, I really want to fucking bloom an onion right now. Oh, my God. We I almost, went this whole episode. We almost made it all the fucking way through. I went this whole episode. Jesus. Fuck. I went this whole episode, but I'm actually honestly fucking craving a damn blooming onion right now. All right. Let's go get you one. All right. Let's go. Until then, I guess we have to sign off. Come hang out with us on Twitter at The Haunted Heart. Come hang out with us on Instagram at the Haunted Heart Podcast. Email us at the Haunted Heart Podcast at gmail.com. Join our closed Facebook group. It's a lot of fun over there. It's seriously an incredible group of people. You guys are fucking hilarious. You cracked me up with serial killer memes this week. Keep them coming. Um, and until next time. Until next time. Stay, stay spooky. spooky.